Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Today's message is called Walk by Faith, Not by Sight, where Pastor CJ encourages us to not give up. In this world, you will have trials and troubles, and the devil uses those to get you to give up on God. God uses them to grow and strengthen your faith. You are stronger than you think. We hope you enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Something good is happening in the house. Amen. Praise God. God is good. I want to say thank you for being here today. Thank you, Lord, is a good God. Aren't you glad it's starting to warm up outside? Amen. I, you know, I, I thank God for snowmobiling, but I'm glad it's over too. Amen. Hey, turn with me today to your sermon notes. Take them out. I'm excited about this message today because I believe it's for all of us today. How many of you know that the enemy loves to blindside you? Amen. And he loves to blindside you. In other words, catch you off guard. Uh, and that's how he works. He likes to catch you off guard. He likes to, uh, least when you least expect it, to attack you. And uh, so today I want to talk to you about walking by faith and not by sight. Uh, that you walk by faith and not by sight. Aren't you glad that, man, that uh, we can put our hope and our trust in God, that God doesn't move on circumstances or situations that happen in our life, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his character is always the same. Amen? And no matter what comes our way, God is not shaken by the troubles or the struggles that you face in life. And that's why we can call him our, our rock. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church is you and the rock is him. And how many of you know it's hard to crush a rock? Amen. It's hard to break a rock. And Jesus is the rock that we can trust and we can depend on. We can put our hope in. We can put our strength in. And we can most of all just put our love towards God. I love you. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But God, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. But in 2 Corinthians, if you have your notes there, and on the screen it will be there, is the Bible verse there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says these words. Paul says these words to the church of Corinth, and he says these words very clearly. For it's by faith we live. For we live by faith. What does faith mean? Faith means putting our hope, our trust, our dependency, our love in the Lord. That, God, I put my all in you. I always say, Lord, I'm running, trying to make 100. 99 and a half won't do. Because you know that half that you keep out is that opportunity for the enemy to come into that little crack of your life. So God wants us to be sold out to him. That I live by faith. I live by faith. And then he says, not by sight. You know, why does he say that? Because if we live our lives by what happens around us, we're going to be discouraged. We're going to be up and down. If you listen to the news on Fox News or CNN, a lot of times you listen to that stuff, and what does it do after you turn the TV off? It kind of depresses you. It makes you feel down or discouraged or angry or mad because of the events that are happening in the world and what's going on around us, and so we get upset. Or maybe you go on to your job and you see things at your job. Maybe your coworkers are doing and by what they're doing, it gets you discouraged. It gets you mad. It makes you want to shake your fist. So he says, don't live by sight because when you live by sight, the things that you see can get you off kilter or break your focus with God. You see, that's why he says in Isaiah, he says he will keep you. In Isaiah 26.3, if you're taking notes, Isaiah 26.3 says, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. So if you want to remain in peace, what he's saying, he's saying to you, listen, you have to walk by faith. 
faith and not by sight. And if you want to keep in peace, you have to keep your eyes on me or your mind on me, and you have to be focused on me because if you're focused on me, you're going to live in that peace. And the enemy wants to get you out of peace. He wants to get you out of disorder. And that's why God says, he says, I don't give you a spirit of, uh, dis- uh, God is not a God of dis- uh, disorder, but he's a God of peace. He's not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. So he says, listen, if you keep, Troy, your eyes on me, I am the author and the perfecter of your faith, and if you keep your eyes on me, you will walk in faith, or you will walk in peace. But you know, the opposite of that is in Matthew. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. In Matthew 14, verses 28 through 30, Peter there is on the boat, and the boat was rocking back and forth, and there was a horrible storm, and the disciples were in the boat, and they were terrified. And here comes Jesus walking on the water, and they were afraid of, who is this, a ghost they thought he was? And here they just left Jesus, and they, they, they forgot even how Jesus was because in the midst of their storm, they allowed the storm to consume them and overcome them, and they forgot who their God was. So when Jesus walks up to the boat, and the boat was crashing on all sides, and, man, they were thought they were going to sink, and Jesus said, don't be afraid, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, have me to come. Now, I want you to see this now. In Matthew, where he says, have me to come, Nelda. So Jesus says, well, come. So what did Peter do? Peter got up out of the boat, and he began to walk on water. Why? He was walking by faith and not by sight. He was connected to God. He was in tune with the Lord. He had his eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of his faith. I don't know about you, but I know that this is hunting country around here. Everybody loves to hunt. And I, when I got my first deer, I only got two deer in my whole life. And I don't, that's because I don't deer hunt anymore. But when I did, I got my first deer. And I'll never forget, it was only a spike buck, but to me, it was a huge moose. You know what I'm saying? And I'll never forget when I was sitting in my stand, and I pulled up my 30-06, and I put the crossbars on that deer. And I'll never forget, I had that deer in my sights, right in my scope, right on the crossbars. But, you know, all of a sudden, something began to happen to me. I started getting buck fever. And if you get buck fever, what happens? You start shaking. You know, you get nervous. Why is it that you can see a deer when you're driving down the road and, oh, look at Bambi and this and that. But when you pull up a gun and put your cross ears on that thing, what happens? You get shaken. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? But you know what? The whole point of that is, is putting your crossbars or cross ears or whatever you want to call it on that deer so that you hit the target. But if I lose that target or miss the target, what happens is it's either going to go above it or below it because I took the crossbars off it, and what's going to happen, I'm going to miss it. But lo and behold, that was my first deer, and I get this deer, and wham. I thought it was this big moose, right? I was so excited about this deer, and I was, man, I was, man, thrilled. And, man, I, my, my, my stepbrother, I, I'm such a paranoid Floyd of blood, right? And I got my brother, my stepbrother on this both times. So I'm such a paranoid Floyd of blood. And so I, I went over to Randy. Randy, come here, check out my deer, man. Check out my deer. Randy, you got to see this deer. And I was so excited about it. So Randy comes over there. He says, hey, that's pretty cool. It's only a spike buck, you know. Like, to me, it was a moose, you know, but I don't care. And uh, so I said, Randy, I said, now, hey, I've never cleaned a deer before. You want to you clean it? 
Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I'll do it. So he cleaned it for me. And I was so proud of this deer. I kid you not. I was so proud, Sue, of this deer. And so I, I get this deer. And next thing you know, I'm cleaning this deer. My, my stepbrother goes back to his stand. And all of a sudden, I hear from a distance my dad shooting. And my dad shoots. And I walk up to my dad. And my dad put down a 10-point buck. I mean, just a beautiful buck. And here's the deal. The deal is that when we go hunting at my dad's house, of course, he's now passed and went on with the Lord. When you go hunting at my dad's house, all the ladies stay in the house. And they wait for us man hunters to come back with the, with the deer, right? And then we celebrate the hunt, you know? So then what they do is they drive and get the tractor, and they pull the deer behind the tractor, and then the ladies are outside waiting for us to come. They're clapping kind of like a parade, you know, like you guys did yesterday, and so on and so forth. So I'm so excited, and my dad's 10-point buck and my little spike buck, right? So we pull up to the house, and the ladies are clapping, and my wife, of all things, said, looking at the deer, and I'm proud as a peacock. It's my first deer. I didn't care if it was a spike buck. To me, it was a moose. My wife says, who shot Bambi? <laughs> Man, just deflated the excitement of my deer. But the whole point of that is, is that in order for me to get that deer, I had to keep the crossbars on the target. And it's the same thing with God. Why is Paul saying to walk by faith and not by sight? What he's saying is that you have to keep your crossbars on God. You see, when Peter walked on the water, now I want you to see this. When Peter walked on the water, Dave, what happened was he had his sights on God. And so, therefore, because he had his sights on God, he began to walk on the water. You see, he wasn't looking at the problems. He wasn't looking at, Rudy, the situations. He was looking at his God because his God is bigger than the situation. And here, I want you to see this. While Peter was looking at his God, God was taking care of the situation because Peter wasn't focused on the problem. He was focused on his God. And doesn't God say that he'll work out the battles because the battle are not yours? It's the Lord's. So what Peter was doing, he had his crossbars or his cross ears on the Lord, and he was walking on God. He wasn't looking at anything else. And guess what he began to do? He was walking over his problems. And what happens in life, what happens was, is that Peter all of a sudden took his eyes off the Lord and started to look at his problems. And when he started to look at his problems, he began to sink. And what happens with many Christians is that Paul is saying, listen, Murray, don't walk by faith because, if, I mean, walk by sight, but walk by faith because if you walk by sight, you're going to see things that are going to get you broken focused or get you off God and get you discouraged, and then you're going to be overcome instead of an overcomer. And so many times what happens is we're going down this road or this life, and all of a sudden we've got our eyes on God, and all of a sudden we get blindsided by the enemy and we get distracted and we take our eyes off of the Lord. When I was a kid, uh, I used to go to the farm all the time with my grandpa. 
And I would go farming, and I, man, we, back in those days, they didn't have, like, like they have now combines and stuff, and they do all the combining and, you know, all that. Before, we had to do shocks, and remember, you, you know, you had to do the, 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 the shocks, and you bind them up, and then you cut them, and then you shock them, and then you have to dry them, and then you put them through the, sh the thrashing machine. How many remember the thrashing machines with the big belts and all that kind of stuff? I know I'm dating myself. Jeremiah said, what are you talking about? These guys over here said, man, you really are old. You're a dinosaur, Amen. And, uh, but anyways, back in those days, we, we did that kind of, that, that kind of farming. And, uh, but I had the opportunity one time to, to plow a field. And uh, my, my father and grandpa was a big international guy. They weren't the John Deere guy, but they were internationals, uh, uh, farmers. And so I got a chance to drive the big M, the big M tractor. There's a C, the super C, the M. And uh, it was my day to drive the tractor and plow the field. And I was doing a three-bottom plow. Nowadays, they have 12-bottom plows and big discs and the whole works. But this was a three-bottom plow, and it was so cool. Uh, my grandfather gave me the opportunity to plow. But he said, CJ, he said, here's what you do. He said, to keep straight lines in the field, you have to fix your eyes like that clock. He said, you keep your eyes straight on that clock. You keep your eyes straight on the clock. That's how you keep a roll straight. So he says, when you fix your eyes on that, you keep your eyes on that. So I was doing great. Man, I was doing great. I was keeping my eyes on the clock. I was watching. So all of a sudden, there was a huge clatter and a lot of noise. And guess what I did? I turned and looked back. And before you know it, I turned like this. And I, I didn't even realize that I did it. And I turned, and before you know, I was way over there. And then I had to come way back here. And I finally made it to the clock. And when I got to the clock, my grandfather was waiting there at the end by the clock. And he was cracking up. He said, CJ, look what you just did. And I said, what do you mean? And I looked, and I looked like I made a checkerboard square. I kid you not. I looked. I'm not kidding. My grandfather was cracking up because I went over here. I came back here to get back line with the clock, and I messed up the whole field. And my grandfather said, son, he said, the problem you have is you got distracted by the noise, and because you got distracted by the noise, you got off course of what you're supposed to do. And it's the same way with the enemy. What the enemy will do, he will blindside you, and he will make a lot of noise around you to make you pull over here instead of going straight. And what happens is a lot of us, if you look at our fields of life, we got zigzagged all over here, and there's no straight rows because we're listening to the noise of the world instead of walking by faith in God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says these words. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. In other words, caught off guard, blindsided, or overcome as the fiery ordeals that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So what Peter is saying, he says, don't be surprised by the things that come your way. Because the enemy says in John 10, 10, that he comes to kill, rob, and destroy. So he says, don't be surprised by the attacks that come your way. Because all those attacks are is to blindside you and to get you off focus from God. 
Because if you, what does he say? If you fix your mind on him, he will keep you in perfect peace, Isaiah 26.3. So what does he do? Troy, he tries to blindside you. He tries to come against you. And he tries to make you look behind you instead of in front of you. And then you find your life's journey all like this. And then because it's all like this, you get discouraged because you're not seeing the fruit that you need to see. And so don't be surprised. And all of us go through attacks. We go through attacks in our life. Man, you wake up in the morning. Man, you might stub your toe. And that's an attack. The enemy trying to defeat you. Get your scourge before you even start the day off. Amen? And so what happens is he always tries to come against you, whether it be in your mind, which this is the battlefield the most, where he comes against you in thought, where he comes against you in words. Because how many of you know that once you say the word, you can always ask for forgiveness once you say the word. But when you say a word that's maybe wrong to someone, what does it do? It usually sticks on that person, right? And even it maybe sticks to you. So a lot of times what happens is he wants us to overreact and say things and do things that really mess us up in the end. So he wants to blindside you. You know, right now, with seasons changing, this is the most receptible time. Seriously, if you study about heart attacks, right now, with the changing of the seasons from winter, spring, now, and in then in the summer, when the changing of seasons right now from winter to spring is the most vulnerable time. Hear this now. So if, you, if, you, if you're feeling this, this is the most vulnerable time for people to have heart attacks. And the reason why is because they're so excited to get back outside that they start exercising, they get in their garden, they start doing things, and they're not ready for it, and they overexert themselves. And what happens is they, a lot of times they have heart attacks or stress or pressures in their life. And in this time, what happens with the time changes? We have more light now. Your kids have more energy. You're at work, and what happens now because it's more light outside and it's warmer outside, you're getting all anxiety and attacks and worry and fretting because, man, I want to get out of here. I want to get outside. And all these things start to build up. And these are pressures that come your way. And so a lot of times when you're under these pressures, what happens is you will be tested. You see, look at this. Whenever you're under attacks and stressful situations arise, remind yourself of God's promises from his word. So in other words, God, I don't know what I'm going through right now, and I might be under attack, but, Lord, I know that all things work for the good in those in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, I know that you're making a way where there seems to be no way. And I don't understand, Lord, but, God, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you, the author, the perfecter of my faith. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to be pulled to the side or to the right or to the left. I'm not going to be caught up in the blind side of what happens. I'll never forget when I was in junior high, and I was dating this girl. And I'll never forget this. And this girl that I was dating, her name was Cena, Cena Bell. And I, I thought she was the best thing since sliced bread. It was kind of my first love, you know, kind of thing. And uh, another guy liked her too, unbeknown to me. And so I got her and he didn't. And I, I didn't know he liked her. I really didn't until I was walking down the sidewalk with Cena holding her hand, feeling bad, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm walking down the sidewalk and, right, man, out of nowhere, I get blindsided right here. Bam! This dude, Lennox, his name was, he just punches me right on the side of my eye. Made me had a black eye, man. I mean, it looked like that Terridan commercial, I'd rather fight than switch, you know. And I was just, man, looked like Rocky that I was bad, and, you know, I won the fight. But he blindsided me. 
And, man, when he blindsided me, it stunned me. I didn't even know he came. And then when he hit me, he didn't go in front of me. He ran back behind me, so I didn't even know where he was. Where did he come from? And I was so stunned. And therefore, I had the wounds from it. I had a big black eye. Of course, then I got all the mockery that, man, who'd you fight with, man? You know, she beat you up. But the whole point of that was I got blindsided. And when you get blindsided, the whole the strategy of the enemy is to daze you or to test your belief system. Now, I want you to get this now. It's to test your belief system. The whole reason why the enemy wants to come against you, Bill, and attack you is to test your belief system of how strong you are in God. Somebody say amen. That's what he wants to do. He wants to challenge you from the day of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What did he do to Adam and Eve? Do you really believe that your God said that? Do you really believe that your God doesn't want you to participate with this fruit of the tree or this tree because he don't want to be jealous of what you have? And all of a sudden, these blind sides or these attacks that you go through in life challenge your belief system. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, I love what Joshua says. He says, be strong and very courageous. In other words, don't quit. Don't quit. Be strong. And he says, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. The word of the Lord. He said, look, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful whatever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Now watch this now. Meditate on it day and night. In other words, how do you live in the spirit? By always being aware. Now, write this down. Pastor, how do I live by the faith, by the Spirit of God? Here's how you do it. Number one, always consciously be aware of God's presence. That whatever where you're at, because God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But you walk by faith and by the Spirit by consciously every day being aware that God's presence is with you. Number two. Always inviting God into your day. That God, I invite you into my situation. I invite you into my day. I invite you into my circumstance. You see, that's walking by faith and living in the Spirit. Always being consciously aware that God is here. That God's presence is here at all times. And always inviting God into your day. But you heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. How I always walk with God and walk by faith is I walk in awe with God. Number one is like I told you this before, but I want you to write this down again to get this in your heart. Number one, acknowledge or walking in awe with God is A, I acknowledge God every day. If you want to walk by faith, acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge God. God, I need you. Man, God, I, I need who you are. I know, you, God, what, what you, you can do in my life. God, I acknowledge your greatness, your awesomeness. You see, when I begin to talk about my God, then I begin to see how great my God is. And, you know, I begin to see how great my God is. I see how big he is and how little my problems are. But if I meditate and I, man, focus my attention on my problems, my problems become bigger than my God. And then I become overcome. So I have to acknowledge, God, your awesomeness, man, your power, your greatness. God, I, I acknowledge you. I walk in awe with God. Number two is I walk in awe as I welcome God. 
I welcome God every day. God, I welcome you into my situation. I welcome you into my situations I go through or my circumstances, my job, whatever it may be. God, I welcome you in. How many of you go to your house and how many at your door you have welcome mats at your door? What's the purpose of that? To make the person, when they come to your house, feel accepted or welcomed or loved. Isn't that right? So that kind of breaks the ice. When, when you walk up to the door and it says, welcome, hey, thank you, Jesus. They really want me to come. Man, maybe they can throw no rocks at me. But that's how Jesus wants you. If Jesus says, listen, he wants to come. And he wants to come to your situation. He said, don't you know that you are a temple of God and God's spirit lives in you? But how he comes by you welcoming into your circumstances. Amen. And then E, as I engage in God every day. So I walk in awe with God. So I acknowledge him. I welcome him. And I engage. And by doing so, then I walk by faith and not by sight. And then when I walk by faith, I don't allow the circumstances of my life to bring me down that I begin to sink. You see, that's why God says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But here's the key. Here's the key. If you wait on the Lord, acknowledge God, welcome God, engage with God, they that wait upon the Lord, be still and know that I am God. Then he says, you will mount up as wings like eagles. You know why he says mount up as wings as eagles? Man, if you notice the eagles are really out right now? And man, man, it's just been wonderful. I, I was driving the other day, yesterday, coming back from Webster, and right there alongside the road, there was two men, beautiful bald eagles. They were eating on a carcass that was alongside the road. Man, they were eat, beautiful. One got up and flew away, and the wingspan of that eagle was amazing. But you know what the eagles do? You know what one of the biggest predators of the eagle is? You would think it's a fox or you would think it's a wolf or a coyote that was one of their predators. But you know one of the biggest pests for eagles are? is crows. Black crows are the biggest pests for eagles. They always come and they pick on eagles. They always swarm around eagles and they're always messing with them. They're always agitating eagles. You read it, study it. But you know what eagles learned? They that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew, renew their strength. Now watch this. They will mount up, Lisa, as wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Watch this. Do you know what an eagle does to get away from the annoying blackbirds or crows? He goes higher. What an eagle does, he'll take his nonsense or his annoyance or these crows and go higher. And when Jesus is saying to you is when you are going through situations and struggles of your life and these annoyance of these blackbirds or these crows, take them higher. Because they can't go as high as an eagle. And the more you go higher, the more you get intimate with God. So he says, you take it higher. So now when you go down the road and you're starting to see an eagle, watch who's always around an eagle. It's crows. It's blackbirds. Now you're going to be keenly aware of that. You're going to be looking. Watch. They, they are the most annoying. But look what he says. He said they will be successful. Keep the book of the law all from your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now watch this. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So what is Joshua saying here? 
He said, keep the word of God, which is your manual. You know what Bible stands for? Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible. So God says, I'm giving you basic instructions before leaving earth. And if you follow these instructions, you will be successful and blessed. So what is the instruction that God is saying to us today? He said, I walk by faith and not by sight. Because if I walk by sight and by what I see, it's going to discourage me, defeat me, and bring me down. But I'm going to walk by faith, and that's going to lift me up on wings as eagles, and I'm going to soar and not grow weary. So that's what he's saying. I'm going to walk by faith. And the reason why the enemy wants to blindside you is because he wants to daze you. He wants to confuse you. And the Bible says that God is not an author of confusion, but a God of peace. And confusion will always make you be walking in a maze and always making you feel like you're lost and have no purpose or direction in life. That's the whole thing of the, of the strategy of the enemy. And how does he get you to do that? He gets you, Marcia, to do that by trials, struggles, problems in your life. And so you're wondering, why do I feel this way? Well, then do an inventory and ask yourself, are you under a lot of pressure right now? Are you going through a lot of situations right now? Are you going through some struggles right now? Let me just tell you a praise report. I got a text the other day. I, was, I uh, had a divine appointment. It was kind of cool. I, I was in Rice Lake, and then I got asked to go to a, a fish dinner, but I was in Rice Lake at Hobby Lobby at the time when they asked me to go. I like Hobby Lobby. I'm, I like this girly stuff, amen? And uh, so I, I was at Hobby Lobby, and, and I got asked to, uh, to go on a fish dinner, and I said, well, I, I have to decline because I'm still in Rice Lake. So... Because they put that thought in my mind of a fish dinner, I thought, I'm going to check it out. So uh, I have to be honest. I, I went to the casino at Hurdle Turtle. So if anybody says they saw me at the casino, I went there to check out the fish dinner. Right. So, so I want you to know. But it, was, but it was $10, and it wasn't as good as the poor house. So I just took my key, and I left, and I said, I'm going to Poros. But it was a divine appointment. And I got there, and when I walked in, uh, here was this couple from our church, and they were there. And uh, it was so cool because they were going through some situations, and I was able to really breathe life into them and help them. And then the good part about it was is when the tab came, they took it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was really good fish. Amen. High five. Amen. But, but the point of that is, is this, is I was able to speak life into them. And, you know, just by speaking life in them, and that life that I was able to speak was God's Word. Because God's Word will not return void, Troy. It'll accomplish that which it said it will do. So what he's saying, Brett, if you want to rise up above the annoyance of the crows or the blackbirds and you want to soar high, you got to stay in the manual, the basic instruction before leaving earth. And then if you do, then you're going to be prosperous and successful. But what happens is once you get dazed, then you get off kilter. Your belief system is being tested. Have you, uh, you have your theory or your head knowledge, but now it's down to you believing in God's word. So look at what it says. You have these on your notes. Many of you might be saying to yourself, look at this. Go ahead and put that up there, will you? 
Many of you might be saying this to yourself. Why do we spend so much time and energy on spiritual exercises with few effects while the rest of the world sleeps on Sunday? You ever felt like that? People, man, why am I going to church? I'm not seeing no results right now. I'm not seeing effects, man. And my neighbor who's, man, he's been, man, serving, doing things in the world, and he seems to be blessed more than I am. Why in the world am I doing this? And what happens is the enemy wants you to start testing your belief system and comparing yourself with the world so that he can entice you to come back over on this side. And that's how he works. He wants to start whittling away. Whittling away, slowly but surely, just like a mouse on a mouse trap. He can finally get away one time, two times, but maybe the third time, wham, that trap gets him. And that's how the enemy works. He wants to lure at your mind, your emotions, your feelings, all these things, at your souls. And that's how he wants to come against you, to bring you down and discourage you till finally he gets you in his trap. How many of you ever said this? We are... We are, uh, we are, some of us are getting up before dawn to have our quiet time with no effects. What's the use? You know, I pray, I read. How many have ever shaken your fist at God? God, where are you? What is that doing? It's testing your belief system. It's weakening you and your faith and your trust in God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. But how does he do that? He does that through trials and tribulations and things that you go through in life so that finally you say, God, I quit. I've tried this Jesus thing. I tried this church thing. I tried this praying thing. I tried this reading thing. And nothing's happening. So I quit. How many can relate to what I'm saying? And that's how the enemy works. That's why you wonder some of you are going through trials. Some of you are going through situations in your life. Can you imagine Job? Think about Job, Barb, for a moment. Job said, that which I fear has come upon me. Man, can you imagine? He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his livestock. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. But here's the great thing. We always forget about this in the story. Job was faithful. I came into this world with nothing. I leave this world with nothing. He was so sick that he had to take pieces of clay that would and scrape off the scales and the scabs off his face because he was so infected with, with pores of, of, of pus and different. I'm not even trying, but you know what I'm saying. Listen, here's the key. Here's the key. Job was faithful. He didn't quit. And in the end, Allie, here's the great thing, that God blessed him double than what he had in the beginning. You say double. Yeah, when he, what, what happened? He had three kids that meant he lost, but guess what God did? He plunged him with three kids, and now when he gets to heaven, he's now going to have six kids. He has double. He had more sheep and livestock than he had when he first started, but he held true held true and some of you want to quit and you're wondering why it's because it's testing your belief system he wants you to give up he wants you to throw in the towel some of you feel like man I got a dump truck full of problems God why it's because God knows you're stronger you think that Job deserved what he went through but you know what God said about Job he said here is my faithful one 
He said, you can do anything you want to him, but not kill him. Maybe, maybe you're going through problems in your life because God sees you faithful. Can I ask you a question? Why is it, Mike, when we go through problems, our first reaction is, man, I must be doing something wrong. I've never said that before. Man, I must be doing something wrong. Let me ask you something. Why isn't it that you say this? I must be doing something right. Because if you weren't doing something right, why would the enemy come against you? Why would he want to come and put a dump truck full of problems on your life if you weren't doing something right? Because you are dangerous, and that's why he's heaping all this on you to try to stop you. So he wants to test your belief system. Here's another one. Why are the highlighters running out from marking scriptures that are, are rarely jumping out at us? Man, man, I read my Bible, in other words, and I'm writing the scriptures. I'm holding on to promises. I got them on three-by-five cards, and nothing seems to be coming alive. God, why? Another one. Why are we doing something we can't convince others to do yet hasn't worked terrifically for us? Why do I want to tell others about Jesus when it really hasn't worked for me? You understand where I'm coming from? You see, listen, the people of Israel had promised them great things. God had promised them great things. But they never entered the promised land. Why? Because their belief system was tested, and they failed the test. They failed. When God put it right there, right in front of them, when the spies came back and Caleb and Joshua were the only two that said, yes, we can. But the other ten says, no, we can't. We're like grasshoppers to them. But Caleb and Joshua, yes, we can. And because those ten infected the camp, murmuring went through the camp, and then what happened was their belief system overcame them. And what happened was we can't. And they never entered into what God prepared for them. And you know what God prepared for you? Write this down, Ephesians 3, verse 20. He's prepared for you exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can even ask, fathom, or imagine. And that's why he even says, when John 10, 10, he says, the devil comes to kill, rob, or destroy. But write this down at the end of that verse of verse 10. He said, I come to give you life, and life more abundantly. But a lot of times, we're not walking in the abundance because we're like the 12 spies or 10 spies that are murmuring, complaining, saying, God, 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 instead of rising up and shaking it off and putting back our shoulders, said, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. We're forfeiting the blessings that God has for us. I'm here to tell you, folks, listen. God has a great life for you. And these struggles that you may be going through right now, let me just remind you, they're just testing you. They're testing you. I've said this before, but it's so true. When is the teacher always the quietest? The teacher is the quietest when you are taking your test. What is the teacher's role? The teacher's role is to teach you to prepare you for the test. Guess what? This teaches us every day before the test. So that when we're tested, what's going to happen? We're going to pass it. That's why James chapter 1, verse 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many times, knowing that you what? Your perseverance produces character in your life. I love this. It is in the tough times of life that we find out what we really are made of. 
Wow. It's in the tough times of life we find out really what we're made of. This is how deep my roots are. I, I'm, I'm, I'm made of, man, clad iron, my faith. I'm not going to walk by sight because if I do, I get discouraged and I see these things going on around me. But I'm going to walk by faith because I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that Luke chapter 18, verse 27 says, that which is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke 137 says, nothing is impossible with God. So God, if nothing's impossible with you, then Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. I will not take my eyes off you because I'm going to walk in perfect peace. And that's why God is saying here, folks, listen, don't be surprised what he says by the attacks. 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised by those things. Don't be caught off guard. You see, listen, in the struggle of life, God is more interested in changing you, get that, more interested in changing you than he is in changing your circumstances. Wow. Man. Do you know where faith flourishes? Faith, faith, get this now. Faith, you can write this down. Faith flourishes in adversity. Did you get that? Faith flourishes in adversity. Why? Because when you're going through adversity, that's when you really press in, isn't it? When things are going good, Man, we just walk in the easy street. But faith flourishes when you're going through adversity, when you're going through tough times, when you're going through hard times. If you are always going around the same tree and always having the same problems, then maybe it's because it's time to listen to God and see what He is trying to teach you. This is a true story. And I have fish on the brain because fishing season is coming up, and I'm getting ready to do a. Hey guys, let me tell you a series that I'm getting ready to do just prior to the five smooth stones. I'm getting ready to do a series in three weeks after Easter, and wait till you see what we do up here for Easter. It's going to be amazing. But anyways, uh, I'm going to do a series called Lessons from the Heroes. I'm pretty excited about that. Lessons from the Heroes, because how many of you know that you learn from people around you, your peers, and so on, and. Uh, I'm going to be doing a series on that, and I'm excited about that. But anyways, uh, how many know the codfish? And that's what they serve over at the poorhouse is the, the codfish. And in the Northeast, codfish had become a big business. True story. Had become a big business. And they had tried to figure out how to ship the codfish to different areas on the world. So what they would do, the first thing they did is they would ship the codfish, you know, uh, in fresh salt water, just alive. But when the fish got there and they began to cook the fish, the fish were really soft and mushy and they weren't really good. And so then the next thing what they do is they would uh, freeze the codfish and send them to the different distributors. And when they got there and the codfish and they ate the codfish, it's a true story, when they ate the codfish, they were tasteless. And so the codfish were really tasteless, and so they were, you know, soft and mushy when they just tried to put them in salt water and just ship them there alive. And then when they froze them, it was just tasteless. Then one guy speaks up and says, hey, put a catfish in the tank with the codfish. You know what the catfish is to the codfish? It's their biggest predator. 
And so what happened was, true story, so what happened was with the codfish now within the tank with the catfish, what happened was it kept the codfish alert. It kept him in alert, alert to his predator. In other words, on point. So sometimes what happens, faith flourishes in adversity. Sometimes what happens is God puts a codfish in your tank to keep you alert. And that's why he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, that pray in the Spirit to be alert on all occasions. And so sometimes you wonder, why am I going through this? It's to keep you alert. It's to keep you on point. It's to keep you pressing in. It's to keep you walking in faith with God and not having easy street and not taking the path of least resistance. So I'm going to put a codfish, I'm going to put a catfish in your tank. We don't like that catfish. But that catfish is to keep you a point. You see, the trials, with trials, we don't like them, but they make us stronger. In, order, in other words, don't quit. When things get tough, hold on till the end. Amen? We're going to jump way down. I'm going to, for sake of time. In Hebrews chapter 3, just go to Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 14. I want you to see this. As, not that one, 12 and 3. There you go. Now watch this. I want you to see this. We're, to see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What does that do? Test your belief system, wither away at you, Becky, make you to want to drift away. The further you get away from God, the less you hear his voice, the less you get away from God, the less you feel his presence, all those things that the enemy wants you to do. How many remember when you were kids, you used to take the cans? Remember the, the soup cans? You put a hole in the middle of it, and then you just take a string. Remember that? And then you thought they were walkie-talkies. Can you hear me? Of course I can hear you because I'm just on the other side of the door. But we thought it was going through the string. But it still worked. It made us feel intrigued, eh? And you know what? A lot of times that's what happens with God. By adversity and struggles in our lives, it makes us drift away from God so that we don't hear his presence or sense his voice. And that's exactly the trap that the enemy wants us to do. And he says this, watch this. That you don't throw it. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sinful deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original convictions firmly to the very end. In other words, hold on. Mom, don't quit. I know you're struggling with this eye situation, but mom, don't quit. Your victory is coming. Let me just share with you a praise report. While I was at, now you thought I forgot the whole story about the poorhouse, right? While I was at the poorhouse, I'm getting text messages. And I'm looking at text messages, and I thought, man, what's going on with this text message? So I look at this, and I said, sorry, I, I got to check this text message. How I many you know if you don't check your text message, it'll keep dinging until you check it? At least mine does. I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, just one of those guys. So I checked the text message, and it was Mark. And Mark says, what you up to? I text him back. I said, nothing. He said, I got good news. Your brother, right here in our, in our church. He said, I got good news. And I said, what's that? He said, my nephew. Remember, we've been praying for, had cancer, and 
man, it was down and out on his luck and going through a real bad situation, a tough time. He said, you remember that, Pastor? I said, yeah, I remember. Check this out. He texted me back. He said, guess what? He went to the doctor the other day. He was examined. He doesn't have a trace of cancer in his life. You see, that cancer was the catfish. That catfish made him pray. That prayer made him hear God. And when they heard God, God roared above the adversity and brought victory in their lives. I close with this. No kidding. I, I, I love this story. There was an experiment that the astronauts did. And maybe you read this story. But the astronauts took on their space shuttle a bunch of bumblebees. And uh, they took these bumblebees in space with them, and they let them go in the, when they're in the space. They let them go. And so they had all these bumblebees in the space shuttle, and they were going. And they were just floating around. And they looked like, man, they looked like they were just, man, having a grand old day. They didn't have to flap their wings. They were just kind of floating. But they discovered they couldn't land on anything because they were just kind of floating. So they were crashing into the wall. They were, you know, hitting themselves and after three days what happened was the bumblebees died they all died true story look it up on your smartphones and the bumblebees died and what happened was in this experiment they discovered that the bumblebees without any resistance they needed resistance in their life to keep them strong they needed their wings to, to flap. They needed their, their strength to be able to have the resistance to be able to survive. So because there was weightlessness, there was no effort in living, they died. And sometimes in your life, you're that bumblebee. You want to be able to have an easy sailing. You want to have the path of least resistance. No adversity. No the, but let me remind you that adversity sometimes is to test your faith. Sometimes it's to make you stronger. If you take the chick out of the egg when it's hatching and when it's breaking through the yolk of the breaking through the egg, and if you break that thing open, that chick will die. Why? Because when it's fighting its way out, it's developing its lung system. It's developing its strength in its life. And so if you take it out of that egg and help it out, it will die because it's adversity that made them strong. And in your life, folks, listen to your pastor today. It's not a time to quit. It's a time to say, listen, I take on this challenge. I take on this challenge in my life. I'm not going to lay down and die. I take it on. I take it on. In the same way, you and I will never have a float through life or better roses. First Peter, it says this, five, six and seven. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, for a little while, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief. Man, you know the average lifespan is 76 years old. Now we might face adversity but we're going to live with God for eternity. And that's why he says for a little while. 76 years old is only a breath span to God. But eventually someday we're going to be in eternity with God. 
We're not going to have any more suffering, no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more pain. The sun's not going to come down and scorch on us. And some of you think that God doesn't know you. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get to heaven, God's going to take out his vial. I can't wait till I get to heaven. And, man, he's going to take out Barb, the vial. And, Deb, he's going to take it out. And he's going to say, Deb, you remember when you were facing this situation and you've gone through that? Look, you thought I didn't see your tears. You thought I didn't see your heartaches. You thought I didn't see, Barb, your situations. Guess what? I bottled up every one of your tears. Let me remind you, not only did I see them, but I prayed and I interceded to you for my Father on your behalf. And I kept every pain that you went through to remind you that you you won. Come on. Nobody likes second place. Everybody wants to be in first. And guess what? When you cross through the pearly case and Peter looks at you and he sees your name written in the Lamb's book of life and God waiting on the threshold on the other side, he's going to say to you, he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You didn't quit. You didn't give up. You didn't let go of your faith. You held on. Go and prepare the place I have for you. Ooh, if that don't get you excited, you're definitely wet today. Amen. I don't have these written down, but I, I want you to, I am going to close. I, I feel like Steve today in Mexico. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I want to give you this. I just want to, five things to tell yourself daily. And I, I, I just wrote these down. This is not on the screen, but I, I do this. Number one, five things to tell yourself daily. Number one, keep trying. Tell yourself daily, every day, keep trying. Keep trying. Number two, keep praying. The pastor who isn't praying is playing. The people who are not praying are strained. Keep praying. Number three, stay positive. Ah. Don't be that person with a half glass, half empty glass. I see it full. Stay positive. Guys, listen, you have to be your own cheerleader sometimes. You have to see things in the positive life. Number four, be awesome. <laughs> if you ever get a text from me or whatever, I'll, I'll, do th I'll do two things. I'll always say to you, I'll always say to you, number one, I love you, and I say awesome. Because I want you to be awesome. When I text you or email you or whatever, I always put in there, be awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. You know what I want to do? I want to challenge you, encourage you, inspire you to be all that you can be. Be awesome. Amen? And lastly is this. Become a better. Become better, not bitter. Become better today than you were yesterday. Become better today than you were yesterday. That God, I want to become better than I was yesterday. Will you stand with me today? We got a whole crowd out there. A lot of people come in second service. and I get long-winded, amen. I just get excited because I, I feel like sometimes I, I feel like a hit-and-run accident. I only see you on Sundays. So I got to give you the whole banana, amen. But let, let, me, let me just uh, encourage you today. Listen, don't be surprised by the attacks. Don't be surprised. Maybe your faith system is being tested right now. Will you bow your heads with me? I'm not going to call you forward, but I want you to, if you need prayer today, I want you to just to lift your hand up, and I want to remember you in prayer this week, and you need prayer. I see your hand already. I see your hand already. Hands going up all over. No one's looking around. Yes, I see another hand. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes, 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 yes. 
Anyone else? Y'all see it in the back? Yes. Yes. Hands everywhere. You may put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that today you are with us. That, Lord, we're going to take our problems higher. We're going to be like the eagle. We're going to soar on wings like eagles. When the black crows and the ravens and all these things try to pester us, we're going to go higher. We're going to go take them higher where they can't be. And that higher is with you, God. That higher is with you. We're not going to quit. Lord, you put a catfish in our tank to keep us on point because faith thrives. It thrives in adversity. And I pray that, God, today that you will touch every individual that raised their hand, come into their situation, comfort, strengthen them, and encourage them not to quit, not to give up, not to lose faith. But they will hold on, Lord God, to all what they have. Bless them and encourage them. Be with us, Father, I pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Give the Lord praise. God bless Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.